Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Stressed out? Need a little self-care at home? CBD Healthcare Company skincare products deliver soothing relief and relaxation. Treat yourself. You deserve it. The CBD and CBD Healthcare Company's world-class formulated skincare products enhances the effectiveness of your typical skincare regimen, reduce the signs of wrinkles, remove dead skin cells and impurities, bring your skin to a healthy and radiant state. Self-care. Skincare at home. Visit CBDHealthCareCompany.com. Skincare products made in the USA. Murder on the Space Coast is brought to you by CBD Healthcare Company, the source you can trust. And now, here's John Torres with Episode 9. Previously on Murder on the Space Coast, Left to Die. So she did not want to go down there with us. So Mark and I uh, went down, located him, and... uh, I went back to get my patrol car to bring it around to get some light on him. And um, pretty much he had stopped breathing by the time I got back there, by the time I got back there. And I did melt him up on him a couple of times until the ambulance arrived. And then he was taken to the hospital and we secured the scene. And after about 45 minutes, uh, they get back out to the orange grove and they find him. He's still alive. Poor son of a bitch is still alive. And they say, who did this? Who did this? Which way do you go? And the only words out of his mouth were, I just want to go home. I just want to go home. And then he dies. I'm John Torres, and welcome back to Murder on the Space Coast, Left to Die. Throughout the season, you've heard me tell a sad and often frustrating tale of Chip Flynn's murder and Crosley Green's murder conviction. I say sad and often frustrating because, well, you've heard that every witness except for Kim Halleck recanted their testimony saying they lied. You have no fingerprints, no footprints, no blood, no definitive DNA. You also have the fact that Crosley Green can't even drive a stick shift, and the initial suspicion from the first two deputies on the scene that police should be looking at Kim as the possible shooter. What if I told you that the state's failure to disclose those details may be what ultimately sets Crosley Green free? Early on, several episodes ago, you heard an awful lot from the first two law enforcement officers who made it to the scene of the crime. Both were working for the Brevard County Sheriff's Office at the time, Sergeant Diane Clark and Deputy Mark Rixey. Remember, they both said that the crime scene didn't quite add up to the story that Kim Halleck was telling. They listed numerous problems like no footprints, no tire tracks showing a fast getaway, no shell casings from the assailant's gun, the fact that Kim never asked about Chip and would not go with them to where he was wounded, and of course Chip himself refusing to tell them what happened or who shot him. Now they had pretty strong feelings about this and Rixie told me that he shared them with the two lead detectives in the case, Tom Fair and Scotty Nyquist. Not only did I tell him how I felt, I said, she did this, and I'll bet you breakfast that by the time you're done, you'll find out she did this. 
so yeah, I told them both that uh, I thought she did it. Well, I, I knew she did it. And so what was their reaction to you, or answer? They're just like, yeah, okay, you know, whatever. I, I, I told everybody. And when Rixie says he told everyone, that included prosecutor Chris White. Here's Diane Clark talking about her meeting with White. Chris called, you know, we were called in to speak with him, individually. Uh, I don't know what date Mark went in. I, I don't even remember the date I went in. It's been a lot of years. But he had some questions for us, and we individually went and answered them. And at that point, uh, and you've seen his notes, uh, one, of, one of my concerns, and I expressed to him, was I felt that, that somehow she had been involved. Yes, I've seen those notes, and I'll tell you all about them right after this word from our sponsor. Let's face it, we're all a little stressed these days. With all the distraction on what we can't do, it's time to do a little self-care at home. CBD Healthcare Company is the source you can depend on for facial, skin care, and muscle relief. Our made-in-the-USA, world-class calming body lotions, recovery creams, and anti-aging serums combine THC-free CBD extract with natural botanicals and known ingredients. CBDHealthCareCompany.com Because taking time for yourself is always a good idea. Murder on the Space Coast fans can save 20% off your order. Use promo code PODCAST at checkout. The notes Diane referenced are at the crux of this case because... You see, Chris White dutifully took notes from his meetings with Rixie and Clark. And here is exactly what Chris White wrote in those notes. Quote, Mark and Diane suspect girl did it. She changed her story a couple times. One thing was, she said she tied his hands behind his back. Also noticed, she never asked how victim was while at homicide. Didn't see any footprints. Didn't see any casings. She wouldn't go down there to the scene. He wouldn't say who shot him, just said, I want to go home. Was fairly calm while there. Close quote. Now, the problem is that he never shared those notes with Rob Parker, Green's attorney. And that is a major no-no. It's known as a Brady violation, a violation of the defendant's constitutional rights as it interferes with due process. It's named for the 1963 U.S. Supreme Court ruling Brady v. Maryland. Since that ruling, prosecutors are bound to disclose evidence or information that is exculpatory, meaning it could help prove the innocence of the defendant or enable the defense attorney to impeach the credibility of government witnesses. You see, and apologies if you already know this, but before a criminal case is heard by a jury, there is something called pretrial discovery, which basically means that both sides have a chance to share evidence, documents, interrogations, interviews, etc., Now, the defense only has to share information as well if it plans on using it at trial. Now, I'd like to thank a friend of mine, criminal defense attorney Steve Casanova here in Melbourne, for explaining a lot of this to me last week in plain English. Now, in this case, prosecutor Chris White's notes were not shared. I asked Rob Parker about it, and he said having that information would have changed his entire courtroom strategy. But if I had known that Rixie and Clark uh, had this strong uh, conviction that she was the one, it would give me so much more to explore. I was, that's where I had fallen anyway. That's where we were going with it. But as a consequence, there was that line of 
uh, investigation that was cut off from us that if we had only known about it. You right. know. And that's why a Brady violation is so important, because Mark Rixey actually took the stand and testified during Crosley Green's trial. But those notes and his feelings about the crime scene never came up. Know why? Because he can only answer the questions he is asked and not volunteer anything. When Rixey took the stand, he was under the assumption that the information he gave had been shared with Green's attorney. You know, I was, I was called to testify, and when you're called to testify, you don't get to pick the questions, you know. You right. can only answer the questions you're asked, and I'm like, why didn't they ask about this? Why didn't they ask about that? The notes were not shared with Parker, and neither was the information that Kim Halleck told investigators it was she, and not the black assailant who tied Flynn's hands behind his back. Now, these notes were first brought up during a sweeping motion of ineffective counsel against Rob Parker. Now, a motion of that nature is not uncommon. Every action by the defense attorney on a lost case is looked at and argued that maybe something more could have been done. The state had argued that the notes were hearsay evidence and would not be admissible, and the lower courts ruled against Crosley. But after years of motions, Green's appellate attorneys from Crowell and Mooring made the case in the Middle District Court of Florida that a Brady violation had indeed occurred. Here is one of Green's attorneys, Keith Harrison. In this country, one of the uh, bedrock rules um, of criminal prosecution and, and criminal procedure is um, what's referred to as the Brady Rule. And what the Brady Rule means is that um, because the government's role as a prosecutor is not to just obtain a conviction, but um, to do justice um, and to... Um, you know, to, to do justice, um, the Brady Rule says that if the prosecution has information that is exculpatory, that means helpful to the defense, um, it has to turn that information over to the defense. It can't, it can't suppress exculpatory information and withhold it from the defense and withhold it from the court and withhold it from the jury. The jury um, has a right to, you know, see that sort of information. But the judge ruled that that motion was time-barred. Remember episode one? I started the first episode of the season with a court hearing in Atlanta about this very issue. And remember the ruling from the higher court, the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals, reversed the time-bar decision and said the motion and argument could be made. And so Crowell and Mooring once again filed the motion, and in 2018, federal judge Roy B. Dalton had this to say in his ruling. Quote, it is difficult to conceive of information more material to the defense and the development of defense strategy than the fact that the initial responding officers evaluated the totality of the evidence as suggesting that the investigation should be directed towards someone other than Green. End quote. On July 20th, 2018, the Florida Middle District Federal Court granted Crosley Alexander Green a writ of habeas corpus, granting him a new trial or to be released within 90 days. When the order came down, as a journalist, I had chills and a lump in my throat. I mean, this was a huge, huge deal. It looked like Crosley Green was going free. I researched this, and it's not easy proving a Brady violation occurred and getting a judge to agree. This was an incredibly big deal. Here is Robert Coleman. Remember, he was the reporter who covered the trial for Florida Today, and then later became a lawyer. He practices in Miami, and, well, when he read the motions and the rulings, he was kind of stunned. Dude, I gotta tell you, 
when I read the um, the habeas um, the order granting the habeas uh, corpus petition by mm-hmm. the federal judge in Orlando, and then read the appellate brief on the eleventh to the eleventh circuit, I was shocked at at the evidence that had been withheld by by Chris Wright. Mm. I mean, someone who I consider to be a friend, and I, I was I was just appalled. Well, there was they he withheld all of his notes his intake notes when he spoke with the, the investigators. And, you know, the part that um, the, the court really emphasized uh, was the notes where he said, you know, that the two uh, investigating officers had serious concerns about um, Mr. Green's guilt and thought that the girlfriend was the one who had perpetrated the murder. Right. Um, and that never got any. You know, if if defense counsel had seen that, it would have completely changed the way that he litigated that case. Because he did, in in closing arguments, actually say that you know it was the girlfriend who had done it. Now, also those notes did talk about the um, the, the hands being tied behind the victim's um, back, and uh, originally the. Um, the girlfriend, I guess, gave conflicting testimony on that, and it was it was in his notes, but nothing that was given to the defense attorneys talked about that. Mm. And again, that was a real problem. You know, it's also, I guess, there was a different culture back then. It was kind of a win at all costs sort of thing. Yes. But that was really beyond the pale, and I'm I'm just I'm very disappointed, very shocked. Again, I had reached out to Chris White for comment, and I've received no response. But I did ask Crosley's trial attorney, Rob Parker, how he felt about the ruling and the fact that vital information had indeed been withheld from him. Remember, he later went on to work with Chris White in the prosecutor's office and White's co-prosecutor in the case, Phil Williams, who later served as the sheriff of Brevard County. It seemed to me that Parker struggled a bit to find the right words. He didn't want to offend anyone, but he's also unsure why this happened. In learning about this, like, Brady violation, I mean... Uh, does that upset you now about not getting you know full information from the prosecutor's office? You know, John, I we the thing in our office was we wore the white hat. You know, you didn't you're you weren't there to prosecute people. You were there to seek justice. Um, and and. When you do something like that, when you hide what is potential evidence, uh, Brady evidence, um, it seems to me you sully that whole notion. Uh, and I know Chris White, and I know Phil Williams, and they're, they're good guys, family guys. Why that happened, I don't know. And, and why it happened uh, with me, I prosecuted with them. Phil had been in my division. I was his division chief for a period of time. And why that happened, I don't know. I, I, maybe I just took it personal that, that the, uh, they wanted to get this guy. I'm really glad he said what he did. The job of a prosecutor should be that of seeking justice, not winning at all costs. And now when you look at Crosley Green's case as a whole, with all the alleged deals made with witnesses who later recanted, the lack of evidence the malarkey dog handler testimony, the prejudicial photo lineup, the missing box of photos that Kim went through, the missing 911 recording, the fact that Crosley can't drive a stick shift, Chip's behavior when officers asked him what happened, 
and now prosecutors violating Green's constitutional rights by not disclosing exculpatory information? Well, he's got to go free, right? I remember speaking by telephone with Keith Harrison a few hours after that habeas corpus ruling in 2018. I asked him how Crosley took the news, and I was kind of surprised by his response. Though I guess I shouldn't have been. He basically told me that Crosley was kind of subdued, that he was taking a wait-and-see approach to whether he would indeed go free. Turns out that was smart. It is now nearly two full years later and Crosley is still behind bars. No, I'm not kidding. The state filed an appeal with the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals within those 90 days, and the case was not heard until March 11, 2020, just a few months ago in Jacksonville, Florida. When they say the wheels of justice churn slowly, they are not kidding. So the day before the hearing that would, in all likelihood, determine whether Crosley ever goes free, I made the seven-hour drive from the Space Coast to see him in prison in Calhoun, Florida, in the northwest section of the state. He told me he wasn't the least bit nervous about the importance of the upcoming hearing, but he did want to make sure he told me how much he appreciated his lawyers with Crowell and Mooring and how they were keeping him calm throughout all of this. Man, that's another thing, too. Without them, I couldn't make it this far. See, when I try to explain to people about not being angry and stuff like this, a lot of things take place. I considered them as well, but I didn't put them in there. You know, they're, they're part of it, too. They, they got me going. Keep, they keep me going as well. They're great. I mean, without them, I, without them still on my team, I would probably be a little shaky. I wouldn't be angry, but I'd be shaky about the situation and stuff like this. But they're doing such a great job for me that I don't, I don't have to worry about nothing. And so after spending an hour with Crosley, I then made the three-and-a-half-hour drive east toward Jacksonville for the following morning's hearing. Erin Moriarty was there with her 48-hours crew, and about 20 of Crosley's family and friends showed up as well, wearing free Crosley green t-shirts. One of them was Crosley's brother, O'Connor. The only statement I really got to make is um, I was real proud of the lawyers, how they represent everything for my brother Crosley Green. And I really appreciate my family being up there with us. I'll tell you all about the hearing right after this quick word from our sponsor. Stressed out? Need a little self-care at home? CBD Healthcare Company skincare products deliver soothing relief and relaxation. Treat yourself. You deserve it. The CBD and CBD Healthcare Company's world-class formulated skincare products enhances the effectiveness of your typical skincare regimen. Reduce the signs of wrinkles. Remove dead skin cells and impurities. Bring your skin to a healthy and radiant state. Self-care. Skincare at home. Visit CBDHealthCareCompany.com. Skincare products made in the USA. Murder on the Space Coast fans can save 20% off your order. Use promo code PODCAST at checkout. Now, I got to tell you, once I sat down in the courtroom and I got my bearings, I actually began fantasizing that this would be it. That the prosecutor representing Florida, Kelly Nealon, would enter the courtroom, address the panel of three judges, and say something like, You know what, judges? The state has decided that with all the problems with this case that now include a Brady violation, we will no longer be contesting Crosley Green's efforts to go free. But once she spoke, my fantasy popped like a soapy bubble in the tub. 
Uh, we are here appealing an order that happened in a 2254 habeas proceeding where a district court granted a new trial to Mr. Crosley Green <clears throat> based on an alleged Brady violation by the state. Uh, this involves some notes that the prosecutor had made pre-trial which were disclosed during post-conviction proceedings. Uh, we believe that the district court erred in a number of ways. Uh, first, we claim that the this claim was procedurally defaulted in the state court, so it should not even have been ruled upon in the federal court. Uh, we believe that the district court's factual findings are clearly erroneous. The district court erred in reviewing this claim de novo instead of giving deference to the state court findings, and that even if the claim was cognizable and a de novo standard was appropriate, this claim is completely without merit. She is basically arguing that the notes really didn't matter because they couldn't be used as evidence and were inadmissible because it is what is known as hearsay evidence and opinion-based. But what followed was a very interesting exchange between Nealon and the judges that just about everyone in attendance felt seemed favorable to Crosley's bid for freedom. They're not evidence. There's a difference in saying it's not exculpatory or it's not impeachable evidence. If you if you you cannot terminate a Brady Giglio claim on the ground that the material in and of itself in the manner that it was withheld is inadmissible because it can lead you to admissible evidence. Let me give you an example. Let's say that and I'm, this is a different case. It's a hypothetical. It's not this case. The police withhold information in a murder case that a separate suspect has confessed to the murder. And what you have is a police report from Detective X saying Mr. A has confessed to the murder. That's withheld, okay? That report is inadmissible in its current form. It's hearsay. It's a document introduced by an out-of-court declarant for the truth of the matter asserted. But if that document were withheld in a murder case, and that would be a material Brady violation, would it not? Yes, it would. So, so admissibility is not the touchstone. You may have other grounds, but admissibility is not in the touchstone case, okay. of that. May I get back to the procedural bar argument? No. Because no. In this case, those opinions, these are opinions they're not evidence. The question is whether or not that would have led to any kind of an investigation. It would not have. Why? Because it was. Well, the, you could ask him, why did you arrive at that opinion? They would have been. De- he would have asked it, it, them at the deposition. He would have asked those two detectives. He would have deposed them and asked them, you had an opinion, did you not, that the girlfriend was involved? Why did you form that opinion? You said that the girlfriend told you that she tied the victim's hands. Why did you come to that conclusion? None of those questions were asked. Because none of that is true. You're assuming that. I'm not assuming that. We know from the record that neither of these deputies ever talked to Kim Halleck that night. These two deputies never did anything in this case. What about the affidavits? First responders. What? Just an aside, Nealon's contention that neither deputy talked to Kim is true. But they did learn from a deputy, Wade Walker, who was watching Kim, that she did not want to go down to the crime scene, nor asked about Chip, and they were told what her story was. Remember, when they found Chip, 
both Rixie and Clark said they were on high alert that the black assailant Kim spoke about could still be in the area. And so the hearing sort of went on like that for the duration, with the state being forced to defend its position. Nealon kept insisting that Rixie and Clark were indeed deposed before the trial and that Rob Parker had every opportunity to ask them. But as Keith Harrison rebutted, Parker would have asked the right questions had he known about the notes. Yes, they were, they were all deposed, but those depositions would have been completely different if these notes would have been disclosed. These notes would have been a game changer. And so the half-hour hearing ends, and now everyone is waiting for the court to rule on the matter. Last time, it took about six weeks. What complicates things this time is the coronavirus pandemic. With quarantine in orders in place, the courts do remain operational, but no one really knows for sure how efficiently they are operating as they are mainly doing things remotely via telephone. On the next and final episode of Murder on the Space Coast, Left to Die, Crosley Green talks freedom while his attorneys prepare for a worst-case scenario. Well... I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't have a lot of confidence um, in our system of justice that eventually justice will, will be done. You know, that's what we're working for, and that's what, um, you know, we hope will happen. Again, I'm not, you're right, I'm not going to make any prediction, but I think, you know, there's an old saying that Martin Luther King uh, was fond of, which says the, the arc of the universe is long, but it bends towards justice. Are you an innocent man in prison? Yes, I am an innocent man in prison. And I'm, I'm hoping and praying that I get that chance to prove that. I'm news columnist John A. Torres, and you can follow me on Twitter at John Albert Torres. That's at J-O-H-N-A-L-B-E-R-T-O-R-R-E-S. And for more information on this case and web exclusives, please go to floridatoday.com. Murder on the Space Coast is written and narrated by me, John A. Torres. The producer is Rob Landers, and the editor is Mara Bellaby. Thanks for listening to Murder on the Space Coast, brought to you by Florida Today, a part of the USA Today Network. Let's face it, we're all a little stressed these days. With all the distraction on what we can't do, it's time to do a little self-care at home. CBD Healthcare Company is the source you can depend on for facial, skin care, and muscle relief. Our made-in-the-USA, world-class calming body lotions, recovery creams, and anti-aging serums combine THC-free CBD extract with natural botanicals and known ingredients. CBDHealthCareCompany.com Because taking time for yourself is always a good idea. Murder on the Space Coast fans can save 20% off your order. Use promo code PODCAST at checkout. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.